Talk Zone presents Two Guys on a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys on a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome indeed. Thank you, Mr. Announcer Man. Two guys in a mic. TalkZone.com. That's what we are. That's what we is. And that's what we hope to be in the near, possibly into the long distance future. Big dog and a coach at your service right up until 11 o'clock. And we'll do a little uh, recap of the weekend that was. That's what we do on Mondays. Tomorrow we'll do a little residue Tuesday. Got Bears and Giants exhibition game number two coming up uh, tonight. On national TV, so we will tune that in for sure. Not tuning up, but we'll tune it in. Got some baseball action, a lot of stuff off the sports page to get into. How will we do it in one hour or less? Not quite sure, but we will give it, uh, we will be brave in the attempt, as the Special Olympic Oath would say. And of course, uh, speaking of brave, listen to the music of the talkzone.com. Heartwarming, chilling, some say. Chilling in an inspirational way. Let's welcome in the big dog, Joel Red. Once again, big dog, I remind you, the Special Olympics Oath, and it's one that uh, many of us could take each and every day of our life. Let me win, but if I cannot win, let me be brave in the attempt. How are you, my friend? I will try to be brave, Coach. Is that a, I'm trying to inspire you a little bit. I feel like you need a little pick-me-up here on this Monday morning. How was the weekend, big guy? Uh, oh, it's phenomenal. <laughs> so what a what an unbelievable weekend! It ends with me riding through the west side of the city of Chicago you know, around nine o'clock at night. I had that in my notes to talk. I saw that on the Facebook page, guys riding through a bicycle through dangerous Chicago neighborhoods. Uh, basically, what happened was I didn't realize that yesterday I couldn't bring the train back home because of their water show. I thought uh-huh. it was only Saturday for some reason. Yep. So next thing I know, it's nine o'clock and. You know, I got to tell you something, Coach. Uh, people are messed up. Is all I have to say. That's all I'm going to say about it. Well, you need uh, to you need to be a little more specific. What happened? Well, I saw a lot of crazy stuff this weekend on the bike. <laughs> now, I would have to say the the biggest idiot I saw this week on the bike was Saturday, and I was riding south on Halstead going to work, and uh, there's some some idiot that's in a cardinal. T-shirt, okay, because the Cubs were beating up on the Cardinals this weekend, I think. Did they win yesterday, the Cubs? Did not. Okay. The reactionary radio coach. I really appreciate <laughs> Well, this guy is on Halstead, and he's in the rainbow area of of the, of the Halstead Street, if you know what I'm talking about. Not okay? really, but go ahead. Well, let's just say it was, it, it's Boysville. Okay, yes, yes. Boysville. Yeah. And this guy, I guess, just was going out after the game and trying to get drunk. And ended up in the wrong neighborhood. And this idiot is like, get me away from these blankety blank blanks. Yeah, that's... Get me a cab right now before I get arrested. I was embarrassed for this guy, Coach. I was like, really? Yeah. You're a human being acting like this? What kind of fool are you? Yeah, okay. that's, that, that's, that's part pathetic, part moronic. And uh, I hope he got some abuse, either of the physical or at least the mental variety. Well, I was too far, too fast past him on the bike. Or else I would have stopped and been like, hey. And then mm-hmm. I would I would have made fun of him and said, "Was are you a typical Cardinal fan? Act like an idiot." You know well, that's that's Hold up, but I would just use that to him so he would shut up and know that he's he's now representing Cardinal Nation in Chicago. So don't act like an idiot, is because he had the Cardinal stuff on and everything. So okay. 
like if I was down with a bunch of Cub stuff on, I wouldn't be blankety blank these blank blanks in St. Louis and a Cub fan or a Cardinal fan's like, oh, is that a typical Chicago fan? I'm mm-hmm. like, man, I, I don't want to represent the Cub fans like this. And so to me, that would mean something, Coach. No, I completely agree. You have to remember, we tell our high school kids when we uh, coach them and you go on the road that, you know, you're wearing your, your school's uniform from uh-huh. the minute you get off the bus to the minute you get back on. The hallway, the locker room, the bleachers, the bench on the court, you're representing your school. You mess up, you look like a fool. Uh, you know, it does. It's indicative of uh, every. It affects everybody else at the school's reputation. Now, now, Coach, it's funny you said that because I remember our like this one this one teacher who would laugh at the stuff that I would get our our uh, fans to chant at our basketball game. Okay, <laughs> yeah. and then one day, one day, Michael Finley can't you know isn't sure if he's going to be able to play his freshman year in college because of the his uh, ACT score. So I started I got ACT ACT. I'm not kidding you, Coach. I saw that. He was climbing. He was running on top of children to get yeah. to me. Oh, yeah, you see, there's, you know, you know. This is the 80s, so he, like, tackled me, okay? Michael Finley, by the way, went on to play NBA basketball. He, the three amigos at Proviso East High School. I would say fan chants, they can be fun. and You almost have to hear it to know if it's over the line or under the line. But in my opinion, the ACT chant, you've stepped one, line, one step over the line, sweet Jesus. That well, would not. Well, if, it's the 1980s. That teacher literally like tackled me from the side and good. I landed on the bleachers. So another I'm tackled like, you, know, you. And he was totally right. My mom would have been like, "Yeah, you idiot." My mom would have said that was funny, but you yeah. had every right to do that to you because you're embarrassed in your school. So yeah, that's, that's just, what my mom would have yeah. said. And that's insulting a high school kid too. But yeah, you're talking about representing the school, no question uh-huh. about it. And you got the crazed cardinal fan out there. You got the big dog riding. Now, did you ride your bike all the way back? To Aurora in the night, or were you just going to a different train station? No, 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 no. There was, there was nothing I could do at that point. There's no bikes on the train. So as I'm calling people and riding the bike, you know, it was funny because there was a lot of people on on the porches last night. I was riding down, uh, I was riding down Jackson Boulevard. Yep. Okay. And uh, man, you, it was just cracked me up. So I'm like talking on the phone and like, you know, somebody watch out, car. Because you know? <laughs> <laughs> they do. I was on my phone. Now, you know, nine other people said some other uh, more harsh things at me. Basically, can I put it that way? Uh-huh. About getting out of their neighborhood. So I was like, "Wow, this is this is pretty funny." And then one dude, you have no idea, Coach. I kind of like I turned, and I kind of got in this one guy's way who was driving really stupid. And he said, "Hey, man, what you doing?" And I was going to be like, "Hey, it's your fault," but instead of "I'm sorry, I'm sorry," they're like, "Okay." And they did an eyeball me and rode right next to me for like five seconds. And I'm like, am I going to get shot? Because these guys are acting like I cut them off when they're uh-huh. the ones driving wrong. Yeah. So, you know, I was like, yeah, no problem, guys. Have a good night. You got a big old bald-headed white dude on a cell phone, on his bicycle, <laughs> pedaling through some of the uh, shakier neighborhoods. I would say you're you're in somewhat unchartered territories, big dog. But you're probably one of the few people that could pull that off. If that was me doing that, you'd be hosting the show solo that I can guarantee yeah, I- that. I was while I was riding through. I'm like, why the hell did I shave my goatee off? <laughs> I mean, honestly, I actually yeah. thought that. So, but uh, I, I eventually got a hold of somebody, and they met me, and I was able to stop and have a Maxwell Street original. Oh, nice! And I'm sitting there. I'm 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 a Avenue coach, and people, are like, what you doing here? You know. So I bought a burrito. I shared it with a homeless dude. Mm-hmm. I got I got all the way down like to the nasty part. I'm like, you want this? He's like, yeah. 
He ate it. He's like, oh, that's good, man. So I got a pork chop sandwich for him. So I'm out there hanging with the homeless of the city of Chicago. I had a real good night, Coach. Did you uh, pass out one of the two guys in a Mike's card? Yeah, I told him just hit it up on the internet. He said he'd listen today if he can get down to the library. <laughs> <laughs> Smart ass. Uh, you got to publicize the show any way you can. And Big Dog, we got a couple people uh, emailing in, and I'm, I'm, they don't really need to. They don't know you that well, but they're reminding you, very, very dangerous to bicycle at night when it's dark. You can't see where the potholes are, where something could be in the street. You could wait. I know you've had a couple of bad bicycle accidents before, and they can yeah. really, really beat you up. So uh, our listeners are a little yeah. worried about you. Don't bike at night when it's dark. Coach, I didn't want to have to bike last night. I wanted to go a couple blocks down Halstead Street and fall asleep, but no, that that couldn't happen last night. So mm-hmm. I had to ride the bike home. It was uh, extremely dangerous. I got to tell you, you have no idea how much I freak out. I I ride that bike ridiculously carefully. You know, when you see these idiot bike riders that don't care about their lives, yes. you know that's not me. Okay. I'm not, just because I'm on a bike, I'm not that guy. You have no idea. I have the helmet. With the red flashing light on it, okay. Mm-hmm. I have a rotating like crazy light on the front, <laughs> and and I legitimately, and you're exactly right. The the potholes and the idiots who open doors because they come out of nowhere. Right. And I just want to let you know, I've already determined this. So if you're out there, people, you might want to listen to this warning. Okay, what what happens is when somebody opens a door right in front of you while you're on your bike because you have that little tiny lane, because some people are just too oblivious to realize that there's six billion other people on the planet other than themselves, okay? So <laughs> they just decide to open a door wildly right in my way. Mm-hmm. I just want to let you know, because I can't, I don't have an eye in the back of my head, and I have a very short time to determine what I have to do. So I can't look over my left-hand shoulder to see if a car's coming to veer out into traffic, because if I'm wrong, that means I'm dead, okay? Or I can just hit the door which means that there's a really good chance that I might not be able to walk again, or I can veer slightly right into the car where the person is getting out and have the person slow me down. So I've determined, since I have no other option, they're the ones that shouldn't be making decisions in the future, so I'm going to hit the person getting out of the car from now on. I'm Sounds, being totally serious, Coach. Sounds like you got a plan. I mean, you've done some forethought on that. It's very good. Well, you know how many times this has been, they have to open the door. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> thank you. Uh, you know, there's other people on this planet. That's you. That's what I yell to them now. I mean, it's really just people that are totally oblivious mm-hmm. to life. And who opens a door in the city and the street? A car could come by and take it up. I know, you know, that's what I need to say to people. Just to remind you, a car might come by and take your door off. Oh, okay. Well, I don't want to get my door damaged. Enough. Because if you just say, oh, you might actually kill somebody. Because it happens all the time. Kids get doored once a week in the summer during the city of Chicago. They'll be... At least 20 bike accidents. So when you talk mm-hmm. about this, Coach, you have no idea. It's my biggest fear. One of my biggest fears. Every time I'm on that bike, I'm like, you have to stay aware, pay attention. I literally, when I ride the bike, I look at every single rear view mirror, side mirror that I ride by to see if there's a person in the car if they're going to open the door or not. Mm-hmm. I pay more attention to that than I do the street, I think. Planning in advance. That's uh, one of the keys. It's uh, impossible to 100% avoid accidents, but at least you can, uh, you know, plan ahead and be prepared. Very, very good. Next time, though, don't take the chance. Don't ride the bike. Let us know. Call our emergency hotline number, Big Dog, and we will, if we have to, we'll set you up with one of the many Motel 4 connections we have in the uh, city of Chicago. Uh, Coach, I'm tough enough. I will I will make it home. Don't worry. Yeah. I could have I easily used the Prairie Pass, and that's what I was going to get to. I just didn't get out there fast enough. Mm-hmm. If I would have got out to, to First Avenue, 
I'm all of a sudden I'm at the Prairie Pass, and I can take that all the way home, Coach. So. By the way, you mentioned the Air and Water Show. What are the big events here in the city of Chicago in the summertime? And uh, you want to check in any bicyclists out there, sports fans? Don't worry, we're going to get to the sports weekend that was in just a couple of seconds here. Our phone lines are open if you want to check in, 888 888- Four six three sixty seven forty eight. Big dog and a coach at your service right up until eleven o'clock. Eight 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 four six three six seven four eight. Big dog. I came down to the air and water show on Saturday while it was raining. I knew the weather was going to clear up. I had to convince my family. I told them, trust me. Even though it was pouring out, I said, this is the time to go. We're going to go downtown. It won't be as crowded. We'll be able to see it. That's exactly what happened. The skies opened up. We watched a great show. And we took a nice walk up and down the place that you lived in this summer, the Chicago River. And I've given the Chicago River and all the uh, places that surround it and the boats going up and down from a visual standpoint, A+. plus. It was a beautiful experience. Uh, Coach, I I wish I had that good of a Saturday. I was supposed to do three tours, Ooh. and and our, our guy chickened out. Okay, totally. My boss, first of all, has no problem uh, shutting down ball, shutting down the work and going home. Mm-hmm. You know, if you ever had that boss, you're just like, man, I wish every once in a while. That's what he does. Oh, it's going to rain. Oh, look at the radar. It's going to be rain, and then just, let's shut it down. I'm like, I have money to make. Please. This, I'll, yeah. keep this, I'll keep it open. Let me do this. Or a oh, similar, no, no, similar no. is, uh, you know, when you umpire and the field supervisor, the park district director, whatever, you got a little rain, two, three, you know, three thirty, four o'clock, cancel the games for the night. And sure enough, by game time, six, six thirty, it's a gorgeous night and no teams can play and you as an ump can't make your money. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, that, that stuff bothers me. Now the umpiring doesn't bother me as much, you know, because I'm already at work, coach. I'll do it. Just go home. Why? I'm here. Okay, it's going to be, it's going to be beautiful in 25 minutes. I'm mm-hmm. asking you right when he said it's at home, it cleared up. I'm like, oh, and then it was beautiful the rest of the night. And he he called off three tours, coach, not Ouch. like the next two hours worth of them. Okay? Ouch. Yeah, I'm like, did you realize that when October comes, I'm not exactly sure where I'm going to make any money from. Mm-hmm. So this, you know, I'm trying to remind him of this. Were you so, able to be down there and uh, work on Sunday? Oh, coach, I did three tours yesterday. Nice. And, uh, I got to tell you something. I, I got an eighty dollar tip. Nice. Then I got like a fifty dollar tip mm-hmm. this weekend, I, and I got a new guy working with me. Unbelievable! This guy actually, like, just takes like takes charge and actually helps people paddle. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, our tips are going way, way, way up, up, up. Excellent. I like it. Excellent. I'll give you Excellent. a tip. I'll give you a tip right now. Uh, never eat yellow snow. Thank you, Coach. Thank you very and, much. I, I, I think I have come up. You know, there's got. I remember we talked earlier. I had to come up with a way of saying, hey, we work for tips, without being like, hey, I, I need money, people, please, because then all of a sudden you look desperate, nobody likes that. You, and I don't want to look like a like a jerk here, please pay me. I didn't want to come off that way. Mm-hmm. So all I did was try to get excellent service. Well, now with kayaks, right? So I figured we all get on the water, and I start talking about safety. But before I like get into it, I was like, you know, the other day somebody asked me, does anybody tip here? And I said, yeah, People tip all the time. You have a blast. You learn a lot about Chicago. We take good care of you. And then I realized the woman was talking about whether or not these kayaks tip. <laughs> Coaches work Oops. ever since. They're rolling in. It's rolling in. Everybody laughs. And they're like, oh, I think we're supposed to tip this guy. <laughs> That's so one I, way of getting I, it across. It took, me, it took me until the last third of the summer to figure out what to say, but I finally figured out how to say it. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know what? If you're, I've been on some of those where... Some of the most effective ones were people that kind of came out right. They used a little bit of a sense of humor, but they, they came kind of outright and said that, you know, most of the money they make 
on these tours or by tip. So if you enjoyed the trip, you know, we would appreciate it. And you just, instead of being real too subtle or too coy about it, you'd be honest about it and and, uh, and keep a little bit of sense of humor, too. I think people appreciate that. Okay. So I think that's, I appreciate it, Coach. Mm-hmm. All right, well, I'm glad you survived the bike ride, Big Dog. Tough day Saturday, good day Sunday. You still had a better weekend than uh, Libya's fine general manager, Mohammar Gaddafi, who, uh, along with Jim Henry, appears to have lost his job. So you had a better weekend than Mohammar. Uh Yeah, and, and Jim Henry. Now, uh, the only thing I worry about with Gaddafi, hey, he's horrible, he's a bad guy. Uh, every, everybody in the United States hates him. They hate him there. Who's going to take over? Well, it's going to be the regime that takes over yep, now. That's that's what I'm freaking out about in Egypt, all these countries, mm-hmm. especially Syria. And it is, a, is a difficult, without getting too philosophical and too heavy here, it's a difficult situation because we're trying to not meddle and not interfere and, you know, let other countries, uh, you know, not have the United States be the big brother always following. That was one of the things I think Barack Obama has done so well. He's backed us off a little bit. He's got other countries involved. I think that was the right thing to do. But now it's the old catch-22, Big Dog. If everybody goes hands-off and, and lets the country develop themselves, well, they have no training in democracy, right? No basic training in capitalism. The insurgencies can thrive in that kind of atmosphere, and you could even have a worse government. On the other hand, catch-22, if you come in, it doesn't have to be the U.S., any countries. NATO or whatever, and you exert too much control that you know, then you feel like you're not letting the country do its thing. So it's almost tough situation, very tough on how to handle it. I don't know that there's a great answer. Well, I, well I'm just worried that uh, you know Iran tries to consolidate all the whole area and mm-hmm. decide to make a superpower and and use it under uh, a Muslim regime. Yeah, like that's that's exactly what I'm afraid of, or just like. Uh, uh, they try to actually make like a, a massive Muslim superpower. And if you're a Muslim and you hear this, they go, well, you're afraid you're racist against Muslims. Well, I'm not mm-hmm. racist against the Quran or anything like that, but I'm racist against radical Islamists. And like I say, I'm at war with them, Coach. I I would do anything I could to stop these people. Well, and that's I, what I'm afraid of is what's happened. They're going to make like a, a major Islamic superpower yes. and, and radical Islamic superpower. So. Yeah, we need to promote as best we can without meddling, uh, you know, freedom. People in your particular country having choice and being able to do what they want without being persecuted or shot or killed or threatened, et cetera, et cetera. Basic <clears throat> freedoms that we take, you know, so much for granted. Tough, tough situation. Now, you mentioned Jim Henry maybe making connection here because general managers' jobs is to go out and recruit and find talented players maybe the solution or not the solution but the best answer is for and again it could be nato it could be france it could be germany united states whoever it is we need to go in and find some really good some key people some potential leaders that we we judge you never know because just like a general manager you bring up a guy from triple a you don't know if he's gonna be a success or not but you look for guys big dog in libya right now for example or you know egypt a while back that could be good leaders, that are sharp guys, that have a little bit of a following, that could promote, you know, the right things, freedom and capitalism, and you, maybe the job of outsiders like us is just to look for those people and try to get them to be in positions of leadership, if that makes any sense at all. It, it, it totally does. It, it does make sense. As a matter of fact, the United States has done this before. Uh, as a matter of fact, when there's turmoil in Iran, in the, in the 1940s, they were able to implement the Shah of Iran because mm-hmm. they figured he could 
yeah. passed down capitalism and, and, and rights. Oh, that didn't work out very well, did it? Oh, who else did they do? So, oh, the guy in the Ba'ath Party that the United States later said they never did yeah. that. Who? Oh, what was his name? Oh, Saddam Hussein in the in the late fifties and early sixties yeah. when they were trying to push him through the uh, Iraqi hierarchy. That, it's, it's funny how they they always start as like these people the CIA and the U.S. tries to get involved with, and later find out these guys were yeah. the worst people ever. And so, like that's what I'm afraid of, Coach. Is no matter what's happening, the CIA and the NSA, they're all trying to figure out the right person that they can get in charge. Mm-hmm. It's so, a strange connection, but could you make the comparison of the Shah of Iran to the sports version of picking up and signing Milton Bradley? Yeah, that's not a bad. That's not a bad call. I don't know. It's a but bit of a reach. Does that mean Carlos Silva is Ayatollah Khomeini? <laughs> Just because, I mean, that was right? Uh, or as my friend used to call call him, uh, I told you how many. Thank you very much. Uh, I don't know, Carlos Silva. No, how about I? I don't know if Carlos Silva was better than that. Well, well, no, Carlos Silva eventually uh, blew up and imploded. Well, I'm just saying. Well, that's what who? <laughs> I told the committee yeah. replaced the Shah of Iran. So the okay. Carlos Silva, we got in the trade. Okay, from, from uh, okay I get it now. I get it. I get it. But I bet we are the first uh, of any radio show to make that connection. The first time, I guarantee, even in the millions and millions and billions of Google Internet connections, I guarantee the Shah of Iran and Milton Bradley Jr. have never been connected. I'm proud. Whatever happens on the rest of our show, Big Dog, we've at least accomplished that today. Okay. That's good to know. Yeah. Smart Very good to know. All right. Uh, all right, so we got the weekend. Air and water show, by the way. Did you get a chance to watch the? Uh, really, it's pretty much an air show, not a water show. Did you get a chance to watch the planes, the Blue Thunderbirds, in particular, Big Dog? Uh, just, uh, just a little bit because uh, you know I'm downtown all weekend, so yep. they would fly right over your head. You're like, wow, that's cool. Mm-hmm. That's really freaking cool. Pretty cool. The only thing I worried about me was I was, you know, I had people in their kayaks. All of a sudden, they'd look up real quick, and if you do that and you twist, those things will go. They'll flip over. You know, yeah. I had to like try to like convince people. I don't want to have to go in after you, okay? I don't want a bunch of Chicago River on me, so please don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not the Blue Thunderbirds, the Thunderbirds, and then there's the Blue Angels, separate yeah. group. I combine the two of them with Blue Thunderbirds. Now, I but... saw the Thunderbirds everywhere. Yes. They were, oh, my goodness. Pretty Those cool. Some loud planes. Those were really cool. Yeah, pretty cool. I like I like the roller coaster moves they make where they go straight up, 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 and then just, I don't know what the G-force that they uh, gather as they're heading down Big Dome, but it's got to be. Quite strong. Those guys are, uh, and by the way, not in Chicago, but there were two accidents over the weekend yeah. in air-type shows. Two separate ones, Big Dog, where people died. Very sad, very sad. Now, yes. I saw the guy on the, the, the wing walker. Wow. That was eerie. Yeah. The best, that's, that's... I'm, I'm giving you a hard time for bicycling at 9 o'clock at night when it's a little bit dark. Uh, maybe I should have uh, talked to the wing walker first. That's slightly more dangerous than what you did. You know, you would... Uh... What's worse, wing walkers or like, uh, you know, the, the what was it, the flying vandellas, the guys that would walk the tightrope? Oh, boy. Well, those those people were crazy. Eventually, they all died, right? I think so. The flying vandellas? Well, vandellas. Um, I'll think of their names. By the end of the show, I'll try to figure out who those tight walkers were. Mm-hmm. There's like Wendela. You know what I'm talking about? They had yeah. like in the 50s, 60s, and 70s. They were yep. always crossing like. From building to building? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I don't know if you ask me which would I rather do, the wing walk or the tightrope walk. I think I'd rather go wing walk. I would rather do the wing walk, too. Yeah. Because <laughs> at least under your feet, you had something solid, even if it was a wing of a plane that was yep. moving. Yep. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, goodness. Anyhow, uh, there were a couple tragedies there, but the Chicago Arrow Water Show, despite the weather on Saturday, was outstanding. All right, let's get to some of the sports, Big Dog. We got a, a big weekend, lots of baseball action, uh, football, nothing of the great variety. I will tell you, the highlight of my weekend sports was, despite watching some great baseball games, some interesting football, tennis, golf, etc., the highlight was Saturday around 4 o'clock where I sat down with my Sports Illustrated college football preseason issue and read up and got meat and potatoes with the 2011 collegiate football season. There's one thing i got to tell you about the Sports Illustrated College Preview issue is, yep. please, please, on October 15th, pick that thing up and read it and realize that all that meat and potatoes that you got them were spoiled and rotten. Well. Uh, it's just kind of, no, no, you should read it. I'm going to read the whole thing too, right. Coach. Okay, I'm not saying it's, I'm not going to read it, but I'm just saying it's just so funny. Read that with a grain of salt. I will tell you this. They're right about I'm assuming they also have Oklahoma number one, right, Coach? Uh, I think they might have gone Alabama. What? That's, uh, I mean, I, I, that doesn't make any sense to me. What Alabama lost last year, there's no reason for them to be the number one team in the country. Mm-hmm. I'm going into the season. Uh, you know, very rarely do I say that. I, you know, I will tell you, oh, there's so many different teams that you could have number one. I have no problem with it. Oklahoma has the most talent coming back from the best team left last season. There's no reason why they shouldn't be number one on everybody. If you're going to have a preseason poll, not having Oklahoma number one doesn't, it makes no sense. So it's just yeah. guys out there trying to get cute is what I'm saying. That's, which is now, and these polls get affected. Who knows how many other people are trying to get cute? How can Auburn actually be in the top 25? They, they've got like four returning starters and yeah. they've got a, like a guy that's never thrown a college pass at quarterback. Yeah. Reputation alone. And it, you know what the, with the reading out of it, it wasn't so much, you know, are they right with first, second, third, who the Heisman, uh-huh. uh, you know, trophy winner, not so much the accuracy of their predictions. It was just delving into and revisiting the sport that I so much love. That, that was the good part of it, not the specifics of their predictions. Oh, I, did, I didn't mean to, yeah. to poo-poo you reading it, because I'm going to do the same thing, Coach. Uh. But I was just like letting people know that it just cracks me up reading these preseason predictions yep. where, you know, and the same guy that's going to be talking about, oh, this team is unbeatable, blah, 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 is going to be talking about another team in two months. And and, totally, mm-hmm. and this will be totally forgotten. So yep. people need to remember how bad some of these people actually pick. Yeah. So that was a personal highlight for my weekend. Got so excited last night. Woke up in the middle of the night. Lights went on. Had to go to the bathroom. Came back to the bed. Looked over at my wife. She looked just a little bit. About three thirty in the morning with the moonlight coming in just a little bit, like Oregon running back LaMichael James. I don't know if that's good or bad, Coach. Uh, it wasn't good. Trust me, okay. it wasn't good. All right, so uh, that in the basket, though, Big Dog. A lot of baseball action over the weekend. Uh, locally here, the Chicago White Sox up again, down again, up again, all over the place. The uh, Chicago White Sox did win two out of three against Texas. They're back to 500. Nice victory yesterday, 10 to nothing. And uh, there's still five games out, mainly because Detroit swept Cleveland. But uh, the baseball action, pretty good over the weekend. Yeah, there was, there was some pretty good baseball all over some uh some aces, not exactly pitching all that great. Yep. Some injuries, a lot of injuries this week, this past like three or four days that knocked a bunch of players out. Yeah, so. the beard. Brian Wilson, the beard on 15-day disabled list. Could have, that's a big, because the Giants are fighting right now to defend their championship by even making the playoffs. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, I went through it when I picked the Diamondbacks, Coach. I really didn't mean it. I was just trying to give you one surprise team that I think thought was going to be decent. Mm-hmm. And I knew the Giants couldn't hit. The Giants have the worst offense of any contending team in the last 15 years, yeah. Coach. At least. 
to the last 15 picked years. Up, picked up Carlos Beltran to help in that area, and uh, uh, to put it mildly so far, it has not helped. He got hurt, and then all of a sudden, you know, Kung Fu Panda, Pablo Sandoval, was absolutely destroying the ball. He hit a ball off of his foot that I, I, I'm surprised his foot remained there. I'm not <laughs> kidding you. So, and the guy's playing on one leg the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Big Pablo hit a uh, two-run homer to win it for the Giants yesterday in a game they had to have. Beat Frisco six, uh, beat Houston six to four in eleven innings. Pablo, what do you call him? The Big Panda? Yeah, they call him Kung Fu Panda. Kung Fu Panda with a two-run home run in the eleventh inning, one of many games yesterday that ended in dramatic fashion. And on that note, Big Dog, and I know you're going to agree with me on this, I want to send a personal thank you out, a personal thank you to Detroit Tigers center fielder Austin Jackson who did something that we rarely see anymore, which we used to see all the time in old school baseball. I'm talking about a fly ball to the outfield. Kosuke Fukudome tries to score ninth inning game tying run, and he fires an absolute dart from medium deep center field and nails the runner. We've talked about this, Big Dub. We don't see outfielders make great throws anymore. Thank you, Austin Jackson. No, no, I, I was the one who totally disagreed with that. There are so many unbelievable arms. I watch MLB Network every freaking night, and... There are so many great throws being made right now. Mike Stanton right now, Roberto Clemente the other day uh, was watching highlights of him throw the ball. Okay, this <laughs> man can flat. He's got a cannon. Okay. Uh, there's a couple guys. Rick Ankiel, coach. Yep. Uh, he... I mean, that guy, it, it, it's a flat out. You know, the funny thing is, is, you know, he can still throw him into the upper deck, and he's in the, <laughs> instead of being on the mountain. He's... I was going to ask about his accuracy. I think he just answered the question. But... No, no, he's pretty accurate. Coach. So you he's would disagree accurate. with me. You think the uh, throws, the arms of the outfielders and strength and accuracy have not dipped over the last 15, what, 20 years? What I, think, what I think has happened is there is generally a lot more players with bad arms in baseball. Where back, you know, prior to like uh, Billy Bean and Moneyball, Coach, yep. Like you had to have the the first thing. I, this is what I was told. I've, I've heard this many, many times by different scouts because I like to sit in the scout sections when I go to games by myself and just talk baseball with these guys. Mm-hmm. And and I, you know, I've heard them say to me, and then I've asked it many times to these these scouts that behind home plate. I'm like, is the arm the most? Is the first thing you look for? They're like, yeah. If you can't throw the ball, then you're totally worthless. The the strength of your arm is one of the most important things that a ball player has to have. Mm-hmm. But They've, and then recently, that's gone away. They're like, well, a, a batter that only swings at strikes is one of the most important things that you want to look for in, in a baseball player. Seriously, like that's, it's really changed, Coach. So back when you were growing up, you had to have a great arm in order to make it to the major leagues, or you had to have been just an unbelievable all-around talent on the four other categories that they, they look at out of the five tools. Mm-hmm. So, But nowadays, if you have a bad arm but you can hit the ball out of the park, who cares? Who cares if people go first to third on you every single time the ball's hit you? Well, we realize that once a game, you can hit one out of the park, and I think that's why. But there's still great arms, coach. There are still a lot of great arms. All right, arms. well, then that, that leads into my next question. Uh, if the arms are so great, do the players today practice that throw under game conditions or even practice the throw with some you know tedious uh, uh uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, attention to detail. That's what I'm looking for. Well, On throws to third, throws to home. I would argue, well, I'll ask you: Do they practice that as much today as the old school outfielders used to? No, you know, absolutely not. You know, they don't, Coach. You absolutely know they well, don't. I actually don't know because I'm not around. But 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 that would be my guess. They, 
players had a lot more time on the field pregame uh, working on stuff. As a matter of fact, yeah. there's stories of the olden days where if you messed up during a game, managers would have you go out after the game yeah. and work on stuff. So, no, that, that stuff doesn't happen very often. And there's only one team that that has infield and outfield practice before every single game in the mm-hmm. New York Yankees. Well, no other team does it. But even an individual player, you know, just go out. If you, you know, all right, you don't have the strongest arm in the world, but, you know, once or twice a week, have your outfield coach hit some fun, you know, fungos to you and practice the throw to third base. You practice know, the low, hard throw to home plate. You know, you're exactly right. Now, we know Roger Clemens added uh, – Velocity to his fastball by uh, medicinal means. But, you know, Pedro Martinez went from throwing 93 to throwing 98 by long tossing and really yes. working on. So Greg Maddox did it all the time. Greg Maddox is like, you know, if you think I've thrown out, do you realize how hard I worked just to keep my, my fastball at 88 miles an hour? Mm-hmm. I mean, he talked about how he really, really had to work to keep his speed up at 88. You know, so there's no reason why Juan Pierre couldn't have a better throwing arm than. Right now, I would bet you who's ever playing right field for Glenbrook North High School has a better arm than Juan Pierre. <laughs> Am I right or wrong, yeah, Coach? You're probably right. You are probably right. At any rate, uh, Detroit did knock off Cleveland 8-7 uh, to seven yesterday. Thank you to Austin, I almost said Kearns, Austin Jackson. That was an awesome throw at home to nail Kosuke. Double play to end the game. And Detroit swept Cleveland, big dog. So uh, getting past... Outfield arms, that was a significant victory for the Tigers. They've definitely put some distance yeah. between themselves and uh, Cleveland and the White Sox. Yeah, they really have, Coach. And how it, it really is uh, one team in, in command of the division. So it's yeah. no longer like a race between the Indians or what it is now is can anybody catch the Tigers? Yeah. That's the name of the race. It yeah. isn't like a nail-biter or whatever. So. And that's become the case in the NL Central, too. I knew Milwaukee was pulling away, but when I looked at the paper this morning. They won again. Yesterday, they've won nine out of ten, eight and a half game lead over the Cardinals, who lost two out of three to the Cubs. Milwaukee has basically ended the race at this point. And they may, they may be the worst fielding team to make the playoffs in my lifetime. Unesky Betancourt is your shortstop. Prince Fielder and Ryan Braun. I mean, that's right there. I know you just put those two guys on your, on your field, even though they're on the corners. That's bad. But, I mean, Mike Cameron is still their center fielder, is he? Or is, no, he's not there anymore. So it's uh, Niger Morgan. Talk about Juan Pierre-style arm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's bad. That's you, a, don't, you don't appreciate Corey Hart rumbling and stumbling to catch a fly ball on right field? Uh, just to let you know, anybody over six foot tall that wears the number one <laughs> should be ashamed of themselves. Okay? <laughs> Unless you're a wide receiver at a college university. Yeah. Okay? Or, or you're a point guard for the Chicago Bulls. Why is that? I don't know. Number one should be for a guy that's five foot eight. That's a stealing base <laughs> whose nickname is Rabbit. Not a guy named Corey Hart who's supposed to hit thirty five bombs a year. <laughs> okay. Unless you said sliding out in the right field. One is for a playmaker, a flashy, fast guy. Yep. Coach, not a power hitter. Yep. The Milwaukee manager uh, briefly for a couple times late innings looked for Carlos Lee as a defensive replacement. That's how bad things got in the outfield for Milwaukee. <laughs> Remember Carlos Lee chasing down fly balls and like he got a little better at, it, but his early days it was it was part tragic and part comedic. No, no, the, uh, Carlos Lee was actually worse than Gary Matthews, <laughs> the Sarge for the Cubs. Yeah, who we you know we all remember him, and you see, since he was such a smart baseball player, you mm-hmm. would kind of think back, oh, he must have been decent defensively. But I would it was that was one of the biggest adventures was a routine fly ball to Gary Matthews because. <laughs> 
he would have to showboat, start slapping his his leg, you know, get underneath it and blow the bubble, you know, but he would miss it like one out of every 12 times, which isn't a good rate for an outfielder. Just to clarify, you're talking about Gary Matthews Sr., known as the Sarge. Senior, yes. yes. Okay. Now, his son couldn't hit a lick, but, man, that guy could go get him out in center yeah, field. So. So this is the exact opposite of a ball player. Yeah, if you could have combined dad and son, you'd have a, a near Hall of Famer. <laughs> yeah, you'd have a gold glove. He would have won gold gloves. So just mm-hmm. like your boy Austin Jackson that you were just talking about, Coach, yep. he has not hit well enough this year to win a gold glove, even though defensively he's been really, really good, really good defensively. He's not been Jacoby Ellsbury uh, of the Red Sox who has won a gold glove and might win an MVP this season, Mm -hmm. but he's been one of the better defensive players on the So Another guy, Adam Jones of the Orioles. Every single day this guy's making phenomenal catches, and all of a sudden they'll be like, you know, this guy's going to win a gold glove. Yeah, is it it because he's hitting 285 with 25 home runs? I mean, he's been playing the same center field the last three or four years. He hasn't won a gold glove yet, but Pac-Man. all of a sudden he's hitting this year. Pac-Man. Um, now, we mentioned the Cubs real quick. And, again, the big dog and the coach are talking some baseball. Feel free to jump in on the conversation. Love to hear from you. Phone lines open at 888-463-6748. Real quick, we know the Cubs have defeated St. Louis two out of three. They're playing very good baseball of late. But we have not talked to you. You were uh, off a of Friday's show, so i got to get your thoughts real quick on the releasing, the resigning, the firing, whatever you call it, of Jim Hendry and maybe a little bit of uh, who you'd like to see in the future. Okay, so now uh, this Randy Bush guy, right? The guy who takes over for him? Yeah, what about him? Well, he's the one that's been responsible for the, the last three or four drafts, right? Okay. So this is the first time in years the Cubs have actually drafted players and rapidly they have moved up and they are major league ready. Coach, yes, the time was due. Jim Hendry, you're nowhere near as bad as a lot of people thought you were. Okay, but I will say this. Signings your free agent signings were so putrid in the fact that you really didn't, it couldn't, you, you didn't have enough talent coming up through the minors to overcome mm-hmm. these horrible signings. So, goodbye. And Jim Hendry used to, he used to say stuff that used to just drive me crazy. He'd say stuff, well, we, we wanted to give away a lot of talent to, uh, to the, our trading partner because, uh, you know, we want to make sure it's a fair deal. No, you don't, okay? You want to rob the other team. Don't, that, that used to bother me, Coach. You know, like, I, it was all, all lovey-dovey and everything is good. We want to make sure yeah. we gave them the right amount of prospects. So hopefully this, you know, Dontrell Willis and, and Ricky Nolasco end up working out for the Marlins. Oh, they did, by the way, Henry. <laughs> they did. Okay, we're glad that you you were happy the Marlins got enough talent in return. That stuff used to drive me crazy. He was, he was a good guy, no question about it. Quality character guy. The players mm-hmm. all liked him. The uh, coaches all liked him. Maybe he was honest to a fault. Big I always liked the guy, and I thought he was a pretty good baseball man. But the long, not just the free agent contracts, the long-term contracts, that's what did him in. The, the Soriano deal is one of the worst. Killer. Well, like, honestly, you can throw it out there. Um, now, the Aramis, Ramirez, and Ryan Dempster signings, you know, end up looking bad. But if you compare them to the to Milton Bradley, Alfonso Soriano, and Carlos Zambrano, yep. I mean, those deals. And again. Some, those are like those are in the top 25 worst deals in the history of the game of baseball. Ooh. And they're on the same team at the same time. I'm not so sure I'd go that far. But again, for the first couple of years... Especially in the case of Alfonso, not so bad. It was the fact that they did these things for so long, eight, nine years extensions. Yeah, uh, 
you know, quite simply, Alfonso Soriano was still overpaid at 17 million a year, but at least he was producing at a superstar level for the first, not for the first year and a half, but for the for a year and a half during the first two years because he was horrible the first like half of the first season. But then, you know, at the end of 07, let's face it, I mean, he put the Cubs on the on their back and carried them to the playoffs in 07. He definitely did that. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, I was like, I was even, I was like, was I wrong? I remember saying that on the show, Coach, when we were doing uh, the morning break. I was like, oh, I was wrong. Alfonso Soriano had a great season. He showed up. And then 08, he had a decent year. And then ever since then, he for the next six years of this contract, he's going to be completely overpaid by about 17 mil a season. Yep, no question about it. So Jimmy Andre gone. Big Dog, we'll talk about it in the uh, coming weeks, although football will start to pervade the conversation. But is there any – I know you uh, scour the – Baseball news and notes sections on a regular basis. You watch MLB Network to a fault. Is there any GMs out there, uh, a couple of them maybe, that would, would excite you as a long-time suffering Chicago Cub fan? You know what? Listening to John Hart every single day on the MLB Network, mm-hmm. I mean, this guy will play. He'll come out, and I remember the day that Brett Lowry came out. Came out. First day. He's like, hey, you want to watch out for this guy, Brett Lowry. He's going to be an immediate impact, impact player. I know it's only 80 at-bats into the guy's career, okay, but he's playing a, a gold glove caliber third base just like he said he was going to play, and the guy's hitting 450. It, it, I mean, it's legit, Coach. I mean, it's like one of those things where, yes, the guy's a major league baseball player, and he knew before he even played, he knew just watched the kid play, and he knew. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a bunch of Mike Carp. He came up, and he was like, you know, Mike Carp can hit 40 home runs for the, for the Seattle Mariners. This guy should have been up two years ago. Since he's been up for the Mariners the last three weeks, he already has seven home runs. Now, John Hart, uh, help me out. Is he with Cleveland right now, or is he out of work? Or? No, no, no. He's, he's from Major League he's MLB Network. And all he does is okay. tell you who the next future stars are going to be. Okay. And he's always right, Coach. I'm not telling you he's right after the guy's been in the league for a year. He goes scours the minor leagues. He'll just come up and be like, this guy's going to come up in about three weeks. He should be on the roster right now starting. And I can you, eventually when the guy comes up, he ends up being right every time. It's really amazing how good this guy is. When he talks, I put the, I put the remote control down uh-huh. and just listen. Interesting. Inter- and he, this is the John Hart who used to be generally managing the Cleveland Indian, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes, exactly. The one who built, he's the one who built uh, the Cleveland Indians when uh, they, I mean, think about that roster that he built, Coach. I mean, everybody else pilfered it around the league because they had more money than Cleveland. Mm-hmm. But if you think about the homegrown talent that he had, you know, he had the, the reverse basketball Duncan Jim Tomei, you know, back in 1991 when he was an <laughs> athlete, got a, got a hold of him, Kenny Lofton, Albert Bell. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just built uh, – uh, Paul Sorrento, remember him, Coach? That yeah. guy can flat out hit it out of the park. That's all he would hit it. And then, like, Brian Giles, Austin Kearns. I mean, this keeps on going on and on and on how many players that came out of the Indians – uh, rotation. So, all right, we'll put you down for a potential vote to Johnny Hart. How about uh, high-profile guys? Should the Cubs go after a Brian Cashman of the Yankees? Maybe even twenty-something uh, Theo Epstein of the Boston Red Sox. Uh, uh, I, I would like Epstein more. Cashman's really good at writing checks. <laughs> okay. But I will say this: you know, it's funny is because Cashman has always been frugal with the Yankees' money. It's the it's the Steinbrenners. That are like, no, it's this guy. You know, like, I don't, he flat out said, I do not want to sign Rafael Soriano. Three years, $30 million, even though we can afford it because we're all the mighty Yankees. It's not worth it. It's a bad contract. And the Starbucks are like, sign it to him. Soriano's appeared in like 10 games this season. You know, so I will give Cashman that coach, even though he's 
it's, let's say, I don't care what anybody says, it's easier to be the GM of the, of the, of the New York Yankees than it is to be uh, the Oakland A's or the Kansas City Royals. And you can say, well, there's more pressure in New York. Mm-hmm. Please, right now, give me their roster and their, and their checkbook, and I'll be more than happy to do, try to do the best job I can of building mm-hmm. within, in, in, inside the organization. I, I guarantee I'd win 90 games a year as a general manager of the, of the New York Yankees, at least. Yeah. So just, well, just, speaking of which, did. if you listen back to the archives on Friday's show, Pigskin Boy joined us, by the way, and helped for a period of time to co-host the show. Both of us agreed. Oh, I'm glad he's still alive, Coach. Not only alive, he's fired up, ready to join us. He'll be a regular during the football season, which is uh, about to come up and upon us. But uh, both of us uh, thought you should throw your hat in the ring, that you'd be a good candidate, as long as somebody else handled the finances. We would love you as the general manager slash player personnel director of our cup. No, hold on. Why are you trying to say because I don't understand him, or are you trying to say that I would actually uh, kill for money? No, 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 no. The former, not the latter. Honestly, coach, I don't know why you have this. This just because I'm poor that I have like I don't understand sports money. It's pretty simple, okay. And I'm always the one complaining the Cubs spend their money improperly, so I don't understand why okay. that. Right. The issue that you would have with me as the GM. Okay. Because trust me, no eight-year, $136 million, even if it was somebody else's money, would have been offered by me ever to Alfonso Soriano. I'm, uh, no. So that's Tom Ricketts, Laura Ricketts, uh, Jim Ricketts, any of the Ricketts families, Ricketts neighbors, aunts, uncles, if you're listening to the show, you want to get a hold of the big dog, uh, you want to go for an outside-the-box candidate, there'd be no better person to talk to than Joe Wawanski. Email us at Mike. Two guys at AOL.com. MIC in the number two, Mike, two guys, AOL.com. In case Tom Ricketts calls me direct, Big Dog, is there a better day this week for you to interview with the Cubs? Any day that would not be good? Yeah, I really don't want to bother, be bothered with the Chicago Cubs and, and the best they got created. Come on. I, I mean, uh, legitimately, there's a couple jobs in the world that, like the President of the United States, the Cubs GM, there's just a couple things oh, that are just too big, big of a mess right now to deal with. Big Dog, come on. This is uh, please no, no, please no, put Joe Redwanski back on the phone line. Offered me a job last year and then pulled it back at the last second. They can go kiss my butt. Who did? And the Chicago Cubs National League baseball in no. the major league could not have happened. Surely you just. Oh, and you, you you don't remember me going off over a year ago, and then about a week <laughs> later, all of a sudden, check topic offers me. You're the biggest Cubs fan. Deal, and I'm like, oh, that's funny because I've renounced my Cubs, my fan Cubs. Whatever it's, they see with that. It's all vaguely coming back now. Okay. All right. All right. We'll scratch that off the job resume. I okay. thought you'd be interested in the GM's job. Uh, to hell with you. We won't put your sure, name if they want, if, they, if they want to do it, then they'd get a guy that's going to work seven days a week, 16 <laughs> hours a day. And legitimately, I would do whatever it takes. You have no idea. All of a well, sudden, within a year, you would have eight guys on the field that can catch a baseball. I got to correct you. If you were the Cubs GM, it'd be six days a week because Sundays you'd be leading kayak tours down the Chicago River. You wouldn't give up that gig, would you? It would probably pay better, quite <laughs> honest. You know, I'd do three tours in a day. It would probably, I'd make more on that day than I would as a GM of the Cubs. Oh, goodness. All right. 888-463-674. I got to touch on football real quick before I do that, big dog. We did get to stand the man. Stan, the man emailing in, please remind Joel that Blackhawk tickets went on sale at 10 o'clock this morning. Oh, I better make sure I get one for the, for the, the what do you call it, the Edmonton game. Why is that? Yeah, coach. Edmonton's going to be really, really bad this year. I have to make sure I go to a game that the Hawks win. <laughs> okay. We'll no, make a note of that. Winnipeg actually would be kind of cool because now Winnipeg's got hockey back. And they're really, really, really excited. 
Now, it's Atlanta that moved to Winnipeg, right, Coach? Does that, now, please yeah. tell me Atlanta was the one that moved. Yes, Atlanta. Okay, good. That makes Nobody went to those games. It was an embarrassment. Nobody in Georgia cares about hockey. Mm-hmm. You have people in Winnipeg writing letters to Gary Bettman every day. Please, my children need something to do when it's, when it's uh, October 15th. And it's already dark at two thirty in the afternoon. Do you know, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So you're right in, in all your excitement, but it begs the question. I'm sure Stan, the man, if he were on the line right now, he would ask the question: why, Winnipeg had a team. How the hell did they lose it? Uh, Winnipeg had a team, and they had a horrible arena. Okay, and Phoenix came flying in and said, "Hey, we'll let you share the same arena that uh, that the Suns play on, and we basically won't have you. Won't have to pay for any anything. You just come in here, you have a hockey team, and you'll get all the games." What would you do? If you were the owner of that team, Jerry Colangelo, or whoever the heck that ended up buying it, you know, that sold it to Colangelo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what, Coach, you're exactly right. The, the Winnipeg Jets fans were not the issue. They used to sell off that arena. The problem was it was like 8,500 seats. And then Phoenix comes in, offers an unbelievable deal, and the uh, Winnipeg Jets fans get screwed in it. There's nothing... Winnipeg has nothing up there, Coach, legitimately. They don't have anything. It's like a transport town. Mm-hmm. Like people come in, drop stuff off. So it's a really, and there's only like, uh, like 300, 400,000 people in there. And they used to sell the place out, but it was just tiny and it was, well, what do they call it? Like the Stampede place? Oh, I forget. No, that was Calgary. Calgary had uh, the Stampede, uh, where they used to have all the bull riding stuff. So mm-hmm. legitimately, they'd have like, and so, you know, like how they changed the basketball court into the ice arena really quickly? Yep. In Calgary, they used to change it into a bullfighting ring. <laughs> Or a rodeo. Yeah. All right. Well, I just I just threw out the uh, quick comment that Blackhawk tickets are on sale at ten o'clock, and the big dog's got all his hockey information right at the tip of his finger. Very. Imp- I was just expecting a little snide remark, and then we'd go on to the Bears exhibition game. But you are a hockey boy here in the TalkZone.com well, show. I, no, I really want the NHL to correct themselves and get rid of a few teams like Nashville and Columbus. These teams need to be eliminated. Mm-hmm. But they need to go back to twenty four teams and more teams in Canada, as far as I'm concerned. Like, do you really need to see national games with 3,000 people in the arena? It was an embarrassment when we were Chicago fans, but there was a reason why that the place was empty. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're, they're never going to sell out. Nashville's got a good team coach, and they still only get like 3,000 a game. So just trying to help the league. Okay. Enough on hockey. Real quick, only a couple of minutes left, Big Dog. We had uh, exhibition football over the weekend. I don't know if anything dramatic happened, maybe in your news and notes. I know you've done tremendous preparation for today's show. And then talk about the Bears. Uh, exhibition game number two, taking on the Giants tonight. I'm assuming we will see some of the starting skill position players play a bit more than they did last game, Big Dog. Well, uh, I would say yes, especially if the offensive line decides to actually not only point at the right guy to block, actually block him. Mm-hmm. They did so point very well, though. Yeah, okay. This is the guy I'm going to miss. Yep. I love it. Yeah, that's all they point, they point, they point, and yep. then the guy they point at runs past them. <laughs> Tremendous community. It gives you a sense of security uh, up until the time the ball is snapped, and then you, yeah, yeah. Then there's problems. Uh, I, I, <laughs> please, is this is the center that is uh, that Garz is holding the spot for ready yet? What's his Chris name? Spencer. Spencer. Chris Spencer, yep. Is this kid ready to start snapping the ball? Oh, yeah, he's ready. Mike Tice likes Lance Lewis, though, and he likes Garza at center, but Chris Spencer's ready to go. So we, how much do they give this Chris Spencer kid? 3.6. A year. I believe so. So sit on the bench while Lance Lewis continues to let – I mean, he I was legitimately one of the best imitations of a turnstile I had ever seen in my life. <laughs> he said – 
Big dog, he's a big man with quick feet. Well, move him. <laughs> you know, I got a quick mind right now, but I can't think of a dang thing. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I don't want to sit here and, and, and complain or whatever because I'm actually in a really good mood. I'm trying to have fun. But, uh-huh. like, bad offensive line play for the Chicago Bears drives me as as – even crazier than the cub pitchers who walk batters or Illinois players who can't hit free throws. Bad offensive line play by the by the Chicago Bears might be at the top of my list of mm-hmm. things that like irk me. Yeah, and that, had, that has not been a long time problem. In fact, there were many many years, Big Dog, when the O line was one of our consistent points. This is really something yeah. what the last three, four, five years. Yeah, yeah, I would say like three years, yeah. three or four years, Coach. Yeah, yeah. you're exactly right. I'm not bashing the history of this. Right. Normally, just I'm proud as heck. Hey. Our best part of our team is our offensive line. Too bad we don't have a quarterback that deserves protection. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, it, that it just bothers me, Coach. It's one of those pet peeves that's not, and people are out there saying you're awful angry, but you keep on pressing my button. <laughs> I still remember uh, Joe. I know I've told you before, David Olson. I don't know if you remember Noah Jackson who used to block for Walter Payton. No, no, no. And, he, he, used to, he used to run down the field. Well, that's my point. I mean, he, the guy was like a three-time All-Pro. Everybody thought no, and he was a huge guy, and he would pull out and get in front of Walter Payton, and, they, and he'd look so impressive pulling out his hands would be squared to his body in that blocking stand. But if you ever watched the actual team, he never hit anybody. <laughs> never, Walter, right, Big Dog? He would hide behind him and then go by him. And you, you, if you paid attention to Noah Jackson, I think he was big number 79. He 65. never hit, huh? He was 65. All right, big number 65, never hit anybody, and it was a three-time All-Pro. Go figure. Uh, 79 was Reevee Sorry, coach. Might have been Lionel Antoine. So, yeah, there was, there was, a, those offensive lines for the Bears when Peyton was young were bad, too. And then between, <laughs> like, 80 to, like, 2005, the Bears generally had either wow. – one of the best in the league, or a really, really good one. You know, so yeah, it, it, it's been a long time since the Bears were this bad, and they've never been this bad. Even when mm-hmm. the, the Reeve story, Mike Lamb, remember him? Oh yeah. Oh, Mike Lamb. <sighs> okay. Yep. Even you know he rode. Uh, Mike Lamb was the guy who rode the stationary bike all the time, and then he became the stationary offensive line. <laughs> yeah, it was like he was Saint riding. Rita kid, wasn't he? Huh? The local kid, Mike Lamb, the Saint Rita kid. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. But at any rate, I, we'll watch tonight and see. Hopefully they will not just improve, but they will take a quantum leap. You do remember last year's offensive line got a lot better as the season went on. But if they're bad again early, real bad, I think there's going to be big problems, uh, both from the fan standpoint and obviously it's going to affect the team. Yeah, and I, I don't know if you have the schedule in front of me, but I do recall when you write out the Bears' early schedule, it Woo. is buff early on. It's, wow. it's not something where you kind of want to put your toe in saying, hey, hopefully our offensive line's improved. Not with that schedule coming up early on. Yeah, you got you to. Get, I mean, you can get Cutler killed. I think we got the Saints in there, the Packers in there. I do not have the Bears schedule in front of me, but courtesy of today's Chicago Tribune, Big Dog, in case you were wondering uh, and worried, the Indiana Hoosier schedule was out. It's Ball State, Virginia, South Carolina State, and North Texas to open up for your Indiana Hoosiers. Just thought I'd throw that information out to you. I'm glad it was thrown out, Coach. <laughs> oh, goodness. All right, dog, about a minute left. Anything else uh, from the NFL weekend that was Bears or otherwise? I don't know if you want to comment on Plaxico. Anything that happened in the exhibition games, float your boat. Uh, you know, it's funny. It's like uh, Plaxico, his first catch, looked like he was a 
junior varsity football player. Okay, he jumps up, catches the ball in his in his stomach with his you know, and wraps his arm around it and falls down because he doesn't want to get hit. Yeah. Because so my my buddies are like, dude, you got to see what Plaxico did, and they show that highlight. I'm like, what? I was like. I, could, I would look like a hundred yeah. times better receiver than he did at that point. You got to give horrible. the guy a break. Though. That was his it's first like, first game competition in a couple of years, and um, well, so, no, I'm, I'm not ripping on him. It yeah. was, I didn't realize, and then all of a sudden they showed the next two catches, and I was like, whoa, whoa. I mean, that's uh, you know, you get a guy basically just like how uh, Rex Ryan said. If mm-hmm. you get zero or one coverage, he basically can. Uh, take the, I mean, he can just take the top off the defense at any time. 34 so, years old, but he's got fresh legs because he spent the last two years, unfortunately, and not rightfully so in prison. All right. Dahl, we got to wrap it up. Uh, we'll watch tonight, huh? Hopefully you'll be watching, taking notes, and breaking it down tomorrow. Uh, uh, yes, Coach. I'm actually going to have to tape it and watch it when I get home. So That'll work. That'll time. work. And uh, I will call you after the show and give you the rest of the Indiana Hoosier schedule. Sounds great. <laughs> Have a good day, dog. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks to everybody out there. Listen, David Olson, our producer, great job. We'll do it again tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Don't be late. Two guys in a mic. TalkZone.com. Signing off.